Hello and welcome to another installment of JP Morgan's Global Debt Pod Podcast. This is Shiroshi Gai, Chief Japan Economist from JP Morgan. And I am joined today by Ayako Fujita, Senior Economist and Yukamera Economist. Today, we will address Japan's 2022 economic outlook. Fujita-san, the Japanese economy stagnated in 2021, but we expect the Japanese economy to realize strong growth and to return to its pre-pandemic level in 2022, don't we? Indeed, Japan's post-pandemic recovery had lagged due to the graded state of vaccination. As the Delta variant spread when the vaccination rate was still low, the state of emergency had remained in place for the most of the first three quarters of 2021. The SOE stored the economic recovery and the economic activity remained almost flat throughout the first three quarters of this year. But as the number of infections have fallen sharply since September, most of business restrictions and self-restraint requests were lifted in fourth quarter this quarter, leading to a strong bounce in mobility. Although COVID-19 will continue to pose a downside risk to the economic recovery, we expect potential virus-induced damage to recede gradually in 2022. With the full vaccination rate having reached close to 80% of the population by late November, the government has started to seek an endemic equilibrium. Also, the key drugs on Japan's economic recovery, such as virus-related business constraints and global supply bottlenecks, are likely to recede soon next year. We expect Japan's GDP to return to its pre-pandemic 2019 average by the middle of next year, and to the pre-pandemic trend by being next 2023. We look for Japan's GDP growth to pass a strong 3.7% gain in next year, followed by a solid 1.2% rise in 2023. In that case, which demand will likely drive Japan's growth in 2022? Domestic demand that has been constrained largely by the pandemic thus far, or external demand where the supply-side bottleneck has gradually eased. Furthermore, thinking about the future characteristics of the Japanese economy, do you think the pandemic has led to significant changes in Japan's economic structure? We expect domestic demand will lead the strong bounce. Despite the expected late 2021 rebound, consumption likely will not reach the pre-pandemic level by the end of the year. This suggests consumption still have legs in next year, which is further fueled by accumulated household savings during the pandemic. We also expect production to recover strongly as bottleneck pressures should ease, but this would also lead a recovery in CapEx. CapEx has been very slow in recovering, particularly partly due to the cyclical adjustment from the capacity overhang that has accumulated before the pandemic, but now it likely will rise as virus-related uncertainty fades. On the lasting effects, the pandemic has generated unprecedented volatility, but we do not expect this to lead a significant change in Japan's economic structure. Generous policy support has allowed industries to keep employment structures almost unchanged during the pandemic, anticipating that the pandemic would be temporary. Also, the structure shift in employment from irregular workers to regular employment that has started before the pandemic has accelerated somewhat 
The labor market has not become significantly more flexible as the government subsidy program has covered compensation for leaves of absence for most of regular workers. The household savings rate has also risen significantly due to the loss of consumption opportunities and the government cash payouts. We think this should support consumption in the wake of the expected fading fiscal support in 2023. I see. Then let us look at the domestic demand in detail. In Japan, the number of new COVID-19 cases are the lowest since the beginning of this year, and the government is gradually removing business restrictions and requests for self-restraint. Given that the government seems to seek an endemic equilibrium, to what extent will consumption rebound? In addition, the fiscal year 2021 supplemental budget it's scheduled to be approved by the Diet by the end of this year. And to what extent should we incorporate the positive impact of this budget on the Japanese economy and consumption? Okay. Um, given the limited damage to household income and accumulated savings, and assuming that Japan can achieve an endemic equilibrium with an expansion of medical capacity and the government removal of self-restraint requests, we expect consumption to bounce back to the pre-pandemic norm by the middle of next year. And accommodative fiscal policy also will support the consumption revival. And this is particularly important for services. The travel subsidy program to be resumed in the first quarter next year will boost services consumption towards the middle of next year, releasing pent-up demand that was depressed in 2021 under the state of emergency. The supplementary budget announced a couple of weeks ago should support near-term growth at, because it includes resources for cash payout to those who suffered from the pandemic and households with children, as well as subsidy to expand medical capacity. So we expect the fiscal deficit to widen modestly in 2022, pushing up real GDP growth by 0.3 percentage points. This is a partial reversal of the estimated 0.8 percentage point drop in 2021. But criticism of continuing aggressive fiscal expansion is growing amid improving economic prospects. So fiscal support likely will start to fade towards the end of next year, particularly after the upper house election in July. We expect the government to gradually scale back the fiscal support by limiting the next year's supplementary budget. So we expect the government to shift back to the gradual fiscal consolidation starting from 2023. Turning to business activities, CapEx was weak in 2021 and has lagged other DM economies. In 2022, how strong will the rebound of CapEx be? And what's, what's the background for your views? Yeah, indeed, CapEx remained very lackluster. Repeated states of emergency and the lingering sub global supply bottlenecks weighed on investment, leaving CapEx likely flat for the first three quarters this year. That's around 6% below the pre-pandemic 2019 average. This is because uncertainty related to business restrictions made firms cautious on investment, particularly among non-manufacturers. This was in clear contrast with global peers where CapEx was bounced back since late 2020, driven by the strong recovery of goods demand. 
But business sentiment and forward-looking indicators have continued to signal firms' strong in willingness to increase CapEx since early 2021, but this has yet to be realized. We expect CapEx to start to recover in the fourth quarter of this year, followed by steady gains in the first half next year, as various-related uncertainty and spread concern likely will paid. This will also lead the recovery in production. So we expect CapEx to remain the key growth driver in coming years, even after the expected initial normalization wins down by end of next year. As the government has stepped up its effort to boost investment to reduce carbon emissions, so CapEx likely will remain elevated compared to historical norms in the years ahead. And we expect the real CapEx to GDP ratio to remain in the range of historical peaks over the hour projection horizon through end 2023. Thank you. So overall, the Japanese economy for which a recovery has lagged peers is expected to grow solidly, led mainly by domestic demand and return to its pre-pandemic potential passed by mid-2023, implying partial convergence with other DM economies. Turning to inflation, other DM economies are facing the rising pressure of inflation. However, in Japan, the core CPI including energy was only plus 0.1% year on year in October, and core CPI excluding both food and energy was minus 1.2%, which clearly shows deflation. This is the lowest among DM economies. Mero-san, the Japanese economy has started to recover and the energy prices and shipping and logistic costs remain at a very high level. How do you foresee inflation hereafter? Well, we expect core inflation to return in second return to uh, in second half of next year, and the line core inflation has trended up since early 2021 in response to the trend rise in goods import prices and higher commodity prices. However, policy-induced drugs such as the government's travel subsidy program and cuts in mobile phone charges have masked this trend, and as a result core prices have remained in deflation since third quarter 20. And we expect deflation will continue through early 2022 and deepen in first quarter 2022 due to the drag from the resumption of the travel subsidy program. We expect core prices to mark the lowest at minus 1.6% over a year in first quarter 22. However, policy-induced drugs should start, uh, should start to fade from second quarter, and the underlying inflation trend will likely be revealed. So we expect core inflation to resurface in third quarter, but it will likely stay well below the BOJ's 2% target. And with the lagged indirect effects of higher energy prices, we expect core inflation will continue to rise and reach close to 1% in first half of 2023. I see. Inflation masked by the policy-induced drug likely will surface next year, but stay below the BOG's 2% target even after inflation surfaces. But still, I believe the biggest catalyst of a change to the 2000 22 outlook should be higher inflation. Mirasan, what could push up the CPA inflation rate more than our projections? And if these factors materialize, how high could CPI inflation be? 
and how serious is the risk of higher inflation pressuring corporate profits and households purchasing power? So the biggest risk arises from the evolution of global energy prices. Energy prices surged in 2021 and could increase more than expected in 2022 with persistent supply bottlenecks and structural shifts in energy composition. Based on our simulation, uh, with extraordinary shocks like the blend oil prices reaching $120 per barrel and yen depreciation reaching 125, core CPI inflation will uh, would accelerate to near 1.5% in 2022. Actually, even these external shocks alone would not push core CPI inflation up to the BOJ's 2% target in two years. But such large external shocks could trigger a shift in firms' typically cautious price-setting behavior and could lead to even higher consumer inflation. And higher inflation caused by an acceleration of energy prices would reduce consumers' purchasing power. It likely would reduce real income, reflecting pressure on corporate profits. On the other hand, in this case, yen depreciation would raise exporters' profits and mitigate the profit drag somewhat. However, uh, having said that, in the case of a further increase in energy prices, it would feel a decline in real wages and the economic recovery could lose momentum. So it is the biggest downside risk to our growth forecast. So then we would like to talk about our monetary policy forecast. Ugaisan, based on our economic and inflation forecasts, do you think that BOJ's policy change is unlikely during 2022 and 2023? Well, since our baseline inflation scenario doesn't foresee CPI inflation reaching 2% through 2023, the BOJ likely will persist with its current easy policy from 20, 2022 through 2023. We cannot foresee policy normalization by the BOJ coming in these years, unlike the other DM central banks. This contrast with other DM central banks is likely to keep the yen weak. In relation to this, there is one issue to watch, that is potential confusion about the BOJ's monetary policy stance. If the BOJ ends its special operations to facilitate COVID-19 financing at the end of March 2022 as scheduled, 80 trillion yen outstanding of COVID-19 financing operations will be gone, which would significantly reduce annual monetary base growth for a year from second half of 2022 to second half of 2023. In that case, it is highly likely that the BOJ would regard this situation as temporary and leave the monetary base to be reduced. Since the BOJ has an inflation overshooting commitment, which is linked to the increase in the monetary base, and since it has already trimmed the purchase amount of JGBs and ATFs, market participants may interpret this temporary reduction as the start of de facto policy normalization. That said, as the Omicron variant adds uncertainty and the government indicates it will take a stance of supporting those who suffered from COVID-19 19 issues, the chances of BOJ postponing the expiration of the special operations to facilitate COVID-19 financing and reducing the total amount is gradually getting higher. 
The BOJ will decide either at the December monetary policy meeting or the January meeting. So in your baseline forecast, the BOJ likely will not change its policy. But as we discussed before, there is upside risk for our inflation forecast in 2022 and 2023. If such a risk materializes, could the BOJ change its policy? As a risk scenario, if the combination of a further rise in energy prices and further depreciation to the end pushes core CPI over 1.5%, backward-looking inflation expectations rise clearly and consumption doesn't slow much, then we expect the BOJ to adjust the long-term yield target before CPI inflation reaches 2%. Other DM central banks that have adopted quantitative easing can allow long-term rates to rise in response to market pressure, and tapering would allow such pressure to push up yields faster, while the BOJ is controlling both the overnight rate and long-term rates more vigorously. Inside the BOJ, we believe there may be two views, that both targets should be unchanged until CPI inflation rises above 2%, and that the long-term yield target can be raised before CPI inflation reaches 2%. But after heated discussion, we expect the BOJ will eventually decide on the adjustment of the long-term yield target. In such a case, what kind of policy adjustment do you expect the BOJ to make? Well, in that case, we expect the BOJ would shift the long-term yield target from the current 10-year to a shorter term like five year, which is currently at minus 0.1%, which would raise longer term yields. If the BOJ chooses a rise in the 10 year yield target by 0.2 to 0.3 percentage point respectively, it would take time to position the yield curve control at its estimate of the new term rate. However, if the BOJ chooses shifting the target to shorter term, it could stop the yield curve control as the next step to shifting to a five-year target or a next to next step after shifting further to a two-year yield target if needed. The latter would provide the BOJ flexibility for the future adjustment of yield curve control. Japanese economy is expected to grow at the higher rate than potential in 2023. Supported by the household savings build up during the pandemic, the demand for manufacturing inventory buildup, particularly for autos, and an associated rising capex. On the other hand, Japan's potential growth rate is expected to remain below 1%. Do you expect the higher than potential growth in coming years to raise Japan's potential growth rate? It is true that macroeconomic policies are supportive for economic growth and the scaring in the labor market and private sector finances caused by the pandemic has been small, so that we can expect above potential growth even in 2023. That said, Japan's productivity declined during the pandemic as sectors producing below capacity retained full-time workers, capital accumulation stagnated, and many farms faced challenges adjusting to working from home thereby decreasing Japan's potential growth rate to near 0% from the pre-pandemic level of 0.8%. We expect the potential growth rate to rebound to near the pre-pandemic level by end 2023, 
which will be a shorter period than the seven years it took to reach the pre-crisis level after the global financial crisis. However, we cannot expect Japan to shift to the new normal and spar persisted above 1% economic growth as of now. There seems to be some areas with brighter prospects, such as decarbonization. But what is lacking? This is a good point. Indeed, the government's green growth strategy promoting decarbonization investment is likely to become an important medium-term support for business spending and Japan's economic growth. This likely will contribute to raising the potential growth risk somewhat from a capital input perspective. However, when the population decline continues to push down economic growth, decarbonization alone will not be sufficient to raise Japan's potential growth rate. After the pandemic, we are seeing changes in economic activities from face-to-face -face transaction to e-transactions and in business models under the endemic equilibrium. To deal with this trend, Japanese firms have to adjust the new normal with aggressive metabolism and changes in business models, especially driven by digital transformation. However, the number of exits and new entries of firms remains low. DX should be another key and is a tailwind for acceleration. But Japan's information and technology and intangible capital accumulation lagged the U.S. significantly before and during the pandemic. So we cannot expect direct-related investment to raise Japan's productivity growth and potential growth for the time being. So you think the government's economic measures and growth strategies announced thus far have not sufficiently addressed the structural change of the economy and strengthening its growth potential? Yes, indeed. The government needs to accelerate structural reforms to raise the productive growth of Japan. Great. Thanks for that in-depth discussion of the Japan economic outlook. And thanks to everyone who joined today. We look forward to having you join us again on JP Morgan's Global Debt Pod. Thank you. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Report related to its contents for more information, including important disclosures. 2021. JP Morgan, Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded in December 2021.